0: TheCerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Dr. Lillis is an associate professor and the academic dean of St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California, as well as the academic advisor for the Juan Diego House of Priestly Formation for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from his lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church, and the writings of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Dr. Lillis is also the author of Hidden Mountain, Secret Garden, a theological contemplation of prayer. In this series of conversations with Dr. Lillis, we reflect on the writings of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Her retreat, entitled The Last Retreat, is the source of our current reflection. Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis, I'm your host, Chris McGregor.
1: We have been predestined by the decree of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we may be the praise of his glory. It is St. Paul who announces to us this divine election. St. Paul who penetrated so deeply the mystery hidden from eternity in the heart of God. Then he gives us light on this vocation to which we are called. God, he says chose us in him before creation, that we might be holy and immaculate in his presence, in love. If I compare these two explanations of the divine and eternal unchanging plan, I conclude from them that in order to fulfill worthily my work of laudum gloriae, I must remain in the presence of God through everything. And that is not all. The Apostle tells us in caritate, that is, in God, Deus caritas est, and it is contact with the divine being that will make me holy and immaculate in his eyes.
2: She has a spiritual mission, and her spiritual mission is she wants to lead us into the depths of prayer, not just any kind of prayer, but the transforming prayer that we, we call mystical or, or mystical contemplation. She believes that this is a place where our baptism takes us, and she roots that mission that she has to get us to go there. She roots it in the doctrine of St. Paul's predestination, it's strong.
0: Talk to us a little bit about predestination, because for the Catholic year, that's something that might trip a little bit of a trigger.
2: Sure. When we hear this, we oftentimes, as Catholics, we automatically go to the controversies around grace and free will that kind of emerged during the Golden Age of the Fathers in the fourth century. And for the West in particular, St. Augustine, this was a very important conversation that he had. The Reformers picked up on strands of St. Augustine's work, and in particular, Calvin came up with an idea of predestination that that didn't quite fit with the rest of tradition. The Catholic view of predestination, especially in the more contemporary magisterium, is rooted back into St. Paul's scriptural understanding. And In that scriptural understanding, the first thing to say is, no one is predestined for hell. In the scriptures, according to St. Paul, we, those who are baptized, those who are Christians, and those who are called to become Christians, have been predestined by the decree of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, we've been predestined according to the eternal plan of God, and as that sentence unfolds, to become the praise of his glory. Later, scholasticism and even St. Augustine will begin to talk about God's permissive will, as opposed to his absolute will or perfect will. St. Paul doesn't make these distinctions. St. Paul is completely captivated by Christ. And Christ is completely captivated by the heart of the Father. And what does God the Father want? God the Father does not want the world to perish. He doesn't want souls to go to perdition. He sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we could have life and have it abundantly when Saint Paul is talking about predestination then he's talking about what's in the heart of God God from all eternity knew that you and I and the people listening to the show right now were going to come into existence and God the Father treasured us and longed for us and longed for us to know his son and because he longed for us to know his son He put a beautiful plan together and when we live our lives according to that plan we receive all the blessings that that he's wanted us to receive from before the foundation of the world and we receive all those blessings through jesus jesus is our pathway to the fulfillment of the plan of god the father and this is the way blessed elizabeth understands that she doesn't divide up the the will of God into permissive and perfect and so forth. She sees the plan of the Father and she sees us responding to that plan and she's inviting us to respond to that plan. The plan, the way she sees it unfold, since God chose us in him before the creation of the world and since this choice, this election, involves our predestination to become the praise of, of his glory, that means the way we As human beings praise the glory of God is by looking at God, by beholding God. Blessed Elizabeth wasn't the first one to come up with this doctrine. We actually find it in the writings of Saint Irenaeus. Irenaeus said, and we've quoted this before, but Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully alive, and the life of man is the vision of God. And blessed elizabeth of the trinity is saying do you want to enter into the eternal plan of god to realize all the blessings he's predestined us to receive if you want that then what you need to do is behold god in prayer spend time in prayer beholding god and god as you spend time beholding him god because he is love he's going to communicate his love to you and the more He communicates his love to you, the more holy and immaculate you become, your life is transformed. And so this is the great beauty of prayer. Prayer when we spend time praying, when we spend time in silence, changes the way we live and changes, transforms the very substance of our souls so that we're open to be more pure vehicles of God's love in the world. The mystical wisdom we receive in prayer really raises up our humanity and helps us realize all the, the wonderful things God created us to know and to be, we discover the truth of who we are when we spend time with God in prayer.
0: The, another line that jumps out, Deus Caritas Est.
2: It's quite beautiful that you pointed that out. I, it's funny, every time you read this, you can see other beautiful things. But Pope Benedict in that encyclical was trying to orient the church to the beauty of divine love and the beauty of human love that is realized when we avail ourselves to God, when we let God love us the way he's planned for us to be loved, the way he's designed for us to be loved from before eternity. In us, we experience love as kind of disintegrated. In God, it's all united, but the disintegrated love we have in us where we love some things that we shouldn't love more than things that we ought to love when we expose ourselves to the love of God he transforms all that he brings all of that into harmony
0: the second section of that work on the third day is really quite lovely we look at the virtue of simplicity
1: I relate all this to the beautiful virtue of simplicity of which a pious author wrote it gives the soul the repose of the abyss that is Rest in God. The unfathomable abyss, prelude and echo of the eternal Sabbath of which St. Paul spoke when he said, We then who have believed shall enter into this rest. The glorified have this repose of the abyss, because they contemplate God in the simplicity of his essence. They know him, says Saint Paul again, as they are known by him. That is, by intuitive vision, a simple gaze. And that is why, the great saint continues, They are transformed from brightness to brightness into his very image by the power of his spirit. Then they are an unceasing praise of glory of the divine being who contemplates in them his own splendor.
2: This is so theologically rich and so beautiful, Chris. You were right to focus in on the the virtue of, of simplicity because this plan that God has, love inside us and indeed our whole being, we exist in kind of a disintegrated state. That's the effects and wounds of sin that we carry around in us. And even though that's the case, that's not where God wants us to stay. That's not what he's created us for. He's created us to reflect, to show forth, to radiate the splendors of God himself so that the goodness of God can be seen and echoed through all of creation. He wants to realize that in us, it's very humbling to think about that. You are someone the Lord from all eternity has planned and prepared for because he's chosen you to manifest something that is totally beyond you, totally outside the limitations of this world and outside your own personal limitations. He's chosen you for this. In order to accomplish that, there's great work that he needs to do in our soul. And blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity in this passage is saying, God wants to simplify our soul. How does he do that? He does that by getting us to anticipate what the blessed are already doing in heaven what are the blessed doing in heaven they are beholding god they've made themselves so vulnerable to god that god is able to communicate all he is into them while they rest in him resting in him at peace in him are able to receive all he has to give and elizabeth is basically saying this makes us simple like god is simple the simplicity of god is that he is pure love all the time. And this is the way we're supposed to be because we're in his image and likeness. Pure love all the time. How do we get like that? We get like that by exposing ourselves to God, by opening ourselves to God, by making ourselves vulnerable to God in prayer. Prayer simplifies the soul.
0: I love that she would refer to that as a repose of the abyss. Yes.
2: Well, isn't that kind of a refreshing thing to hear in our the hectic world in which we live, where we let ourselves be driven around by so many things that we really shouldn't be driven around by, but we do anyway. Uh, Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity is basically saying, and with together with Saint Paul, we're created for something more than that. We weren't created to be chickens with our heads cut off. Now, sometimes. The demands of family life, the obligations of charity that God has entrusted us with make us very, very busy, and we have to be very industrious for love of God, and there's nothing wrong with that. But contemplation is something also that must be part of our lives, or we risk being driven around by the circumstances of our life and not not really knowing the truth about who we are or the truth about who God is, and not knowing that truth we... We never really discover the simplicity, the beautiful simplicity, that God intended our lives to have.
0: Talk to us, Anthony, about the intuitive vision, a simple gaze.
2: Yeah, so in the theology of prayer that she's heard in the preaching of her time, the way in the late 19th century a lot of preachers understood prayer, and it's very consistent with the fathers of the church, is that contemplative prayer anticipates the beatific vision of heaven and so she's describing the prayer of those who are around the throne of the lamb has a simple gaze a a gaze of love an intuitive gaze and but this gaze uh, a lot of people hear that and i used to think this myself how boring you know everybody just kind of stands around looking at god and what else goes on in heaven in the beginning of the Christian life, when you are first coming to know the love of God and you don't understand the depths of the mystery and how beautiful it is, and really how heartrending God is. The beauty is piercing, but it's a beauty we can only know by faith. Only as our faith grows does that beauty disclose itself to us in deeper and deeper ways. Blessed Elizabeth gets to this aspect of contemplation. Contemplation isn't kind of a static boring thing where nothing's going on in this intuitive vision that the saints have they are being transformed she says from brightness to brightness or the modern uh, translation that we have in our bibles today is from glory to glory they are being transformed from glory to glory or from brightness to brightness meaning the lord is drawing them ever deeper into his inexhaustible mystery and these are the people who are already in heaven what about us here on earth we've we've only just begun the the journey this transformation into ever deeper glory in this life involves a lot of suffering in order to simplify us and she'll develop this later in, in our retreat but for now in order to simplify us god allows us to suffer all kinds of trials but the reason why god is having us suffer trials isn't because he's angry with us or because we need to be punished for the bad things we did. There may be elements of that. There may be consequences for past behavior uh, that we, we need to bear. But when these things are submitted to God, God is using these to draw us deeper into his mystery. It's not like the suffering we have isn't part of God's love for us. It's his love, and his love is transforming. And so this the simple gaze for the blessed It's no longer a matter of suffering anymore. For the blessed, the simple gaze is just pure transforming union where they go deeper and deeper into his heart. For us in this life, because of the burden of sin that we've carried around with us, and even after we go to confession, we still need to deal with many of the wounds of sin because our contrition isn't perfect. God uses even that, even those wounds, to begin to transform us from glory to glory and If there's pain and suffering, it seems like nothing is going on, or prayer is a waste of time, or prayer is boring, or any other thoughts that go through our mind like that. I'm not accomplishing anything in prayer. Blessed Elizabeth in this passage is saying, yes, you are Believe that God is working in you right now. When you behold the Lord by faith and love, you are being transformed like the blessed in heaven into the praise of His glory. His splendor is finding ways that you do not understand to radiate through you into your life and into the lives of those you love.
1: It seems to me that it would give immense joy to the heart of God if we would perfect in the heaven of our soul this occupation of the blessed and cling to Him by this simple contemplation. Which resembles that of man in the state of innocence before original sin, when God created him in his image and likeness. Such was the Creator's dream to be able to contemplate himself in his creature and see reflected there all his perfections all his beauty as through a pure and flawless crystal is that not a kind of extension of his own glory the soul by the simplicity of the gaze which it fixes on its divine object finds itself set apart from all that surrounds it set apart also and above all from itself Then it is resplendent with this knowledge of the glory of God of which the apostle speaks because it permits the divine being to be reflected in it and all his attributes are communicated to it Truly this soul is the praise of glory of all his gifts through everything Even the most commonplace acts, it sings the canticum magnum, the canticum novum. And this canticle thrills God to his very depths. Your light, we can say with Isaiah, shall rise up in darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will give you rest continually and will fill your soul with his brightness. He will strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a fountain of water whose waters shall not fail. I will lift you above the high places of the earth.
2: See? A very powerful passage, she ends it with the prophecy of Isaiah, light shining in the darkness and a fountain of living water. These are images that you see in the Gospels, in Jesus' preaching. Elizabeth is saying, when we pray like this, we're letting Jesus accomplish this work, fulfill this prophecy in our lives. The prophecy whereby we become a light for the world, a light that shines in the darkness, whereby we become a spring of living waters from which others can be refreshed.
0: You will rest, Mm. and it will be his light that shines. You won't have to struggle. You won't have to do anything, really, but rest, and it's through that rest that he can shine.
2: In her teaching, she's been very formed by the thought of John of the Cross, in John of the Cross, the spiritual life begins with an anxious search, but you pass through a kind of dark night. He calls it the dark night of the senses, and it involves a lot of suffering, and it also involves a kind of prayer where you feel like you're wasting your time and you feel like nothing's going on. At the same time you feel that way, your heart is also drawn into silence. It's harder for you to meditate on the scriptures or the rosary. You just want to rest in silence. You keep on feeling this pull into silence. That kind of prayer, that kind of uh, contemplation, I guess is the right word. St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, call it mental prayer. That kind of prayer is extremely transformative and extremely resting. In the beginning, we feel like we're wasting our time because what God is doing in in us is so different than anything he's ever done before. We don't understand it. What God is doing in that night, and also another night called the night of the Spirit, he's communicating his attributes to us in a in a new kind of way. His attributes, that's his goodness, his justice, his love, his wisdom. He's communicating these things to us. And because we don't really know these things, or we're not familiar with them, we don't understand them at, at first. And so a lot of people don't think they're very contemplative or Don't spend time in contemplative prayer because they think it's a waste of time. St. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity here is saying it's not a waste of time. When you avail yourself to God in prayer, God really is doing something very, very beautiful. He's communicating his attributes to you so that you can reveal him to the whole world. These attributes in you, they're, they're like a song, a, a new song that grips the soul and fills the soul. And through you, through your life, because you've availed yourself to God, God is able to fill the whole world with this divine harmony that brings into order everything. So everything becomes praise. That was what Adam and Eve were made to do from the very beginning. In the very beginning, Adam and Eve were created to order creation to the praise of God. That's why they were made in his image and likeness. They were the ones to help creation see God. And in helping creation see God, they could order creation to praise the glory of God. Elizabeth of the Trinity is saying that original purpose is realized in us when we surrender our hearts to the Lord in prayer. In silent contemplative prayer, That is a movement of trust, a movement of love, a movement of sweet surrender into his hands. In that humble movement of heart, God can do great things.
0: There has been times, Anthony, when I've talked with friends who were very involved in a more charismatic or very active prayer groups where there's been a lot of activity, a lot of praise and worship. Something happens that They tell me, is there something wrong with me? Because all I want to do now is stay home and just be quiet. Mm. They moved from a point where they felt they needed to do prayer or receive in prayer to the point where now they just want to be in that silence.
2: I think when they have this experience, it's a very powerful and beautiful gift that they've just received that is the gift of this contemplative prayer that elizabeth of the trinity is talking about in elizabeth of the trinity what she's saying is if you have this gift of prayer if god has given you this gift say yes to it make space in your life for it what god can accomplish through that gift is unimaginable unsurpassable it's the greatest thing that and the most needed thing in the world today the world is dying because it's lost sight of god without god the world falls apart we need souls today who are willing to humble themselves in silence and receive everything that god wants to give and god wants to give so much but we don't slow down and we don't listen for his voice and we don't let him communicate himself to us we let ourselves be carried away by the hectic pace of our day and in that hectic pace in the being carried away great gifts that the world needs now to so that it does not perish god doesn't want to withhold them but because he doesn't have anyone to give them to he can't minister to the world through us and so so prayer i think is the most essential thing we another way to speak about this receiving the attributes of God, receiving everything he wants to communicate to us so that all our acts are filled with his love and filled with his life. That thing that God is, is communicating to us, we call that mystical wisdom. Mystical wisdom is profoundly generative. It reconstitutes the human spirit, reorders the human spirit to its original innocence, and it opens the capacities of the soul to be filled with God in deep and profound and beautiful ways, tender ways, delicate ways, gentle ways, so that even in the smallest things that we do in life, those smallest things that we can do can be completely filled with God.
0: Any final thoughts, Anthony, on this third day?
2: I hope that those who are listening to our conversation are blessed, but if I could just really encourage people Today, more than ever, our, our culture has fallen apart all around us. And we probably have family members who, who've uh, turned their back on the faith or who uh, are struggling through very, very severe personal problems and don't know that they could call on God. If we, who have received the gift of prayer, if we will turn our hearts to the Lord again and surrender ourselves to him in a deeper way, It makes space in the world for God to act in ways we can't imagine. So I just encourage those who are listening to this show, if they don't have a daily prayer time to make one, if they've begun to go to Eucharistic Adoration, to keep that up daily Mass, but also that personal prayer time in the silence of of your home where God can speak to you.
0: You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Wallace.